Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Welcome to week one of a new series we are calling The Unfair Advantage. And what an unfair advantage is, is the idea is something in your life that has been unfair, um, wrong, difficult, but I believe it's there because God wants to give you an advantage towards the calling that he has for you. So it's unfair, but it's actually going to help you get there. And um, not only is it the series title, it's also the title of my very first book that's coming out this upcoming Tuesday. And so um, I'm pumped about this. I didn't make this thing happen. I didn't, I'm not promoting this. This is all like the Lord did this, put it together. And so I'm pumped. I got one right here. It's pretty awesome. So, um, and, and, and so I'm excited about it. If you haven't got a copy, get a copy. And um, I think it'll help you. Actually, it won't help you. It'll only help you if you read the copy, so, um, <laughs> so don't just buy one. But um, the good news is that this series is um, off of the title, off of the idea, but it's not the content of the book. The only way to get the content of the book is you should read it, and I think it'll help you. An unfair advantage, let me give you an instance, uh, is of somebody that wants to be in the NBA. If you want to be in the NBA, you have a one in a million shot of being in the NBA. So hear me out, parents, your kids aren't going to make it, okay? Let me just tell you that. And be in the NBA. But if you are over seven foot tall, that goes from one in a million to a one in six chance that you can be in the NBA. So it's unfair to be over seven feet tall. You don't have the good seat in the airplane. You're always uh, cramped everywhere you go. You have to duck to go in, in a door. But how many know you can make millions in the NBA? It's unfair, but it's for your advantage. And I think if you look at your life, there's a lot of unfair things that have happened that I believe God has orchestrated behind the scenes to be about an advantage for you to get to the calling and the purpose that God has for your life. So we're going to look at a story that the book is based off of, and it's a story of a guy by the name of Joseph. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to the book of Genesis chapter 37 is where we're going to start. If you don't know who Joseph is, there's multiple Josephs in the Bible, the first, the, but we're going to look at the, 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 the first one. The guy Joseph um, actually comes from a pretty, pretty famous family. And so let me give you the family line. Y'all know the start of it is the kind of the father of our faith, a guy by the name of Abraham. So Abraham's kind of the guy. And if you don't know who Abraham is, you grew up in, in children's church. You always heard that father Abraham had many sons. Come on, help me out. Many sons had father. Okay, about three of y'all know that. All right, great. We're reaching people that have never in church before. Come on, somebody. And then um, Abraham had a son named Isaac, and um, Isaac was the one that was promised to him. Abraham had him at 100 years old. That's kind of a big deal. And then Isaac ended up having two children, and that were Jacob and Esau. They were kind of the brothers that rivaled with each other. And we follow the bloodline down from Jacob to his 12 children and 12 sons, busy dude right there. And here's our 12 sons, and, um, and the, we got the 11th of the 12th son is a guy by the name of Joseph. Say Joseph. That, that's kind of the background. That's how we get to Joseph in our story today. And the overarching message that I wanna give you today, if you're writing notes, I want you to take it down, is this idea that God has a plan. That God has a plan. 
There's an unfair advantage to your life, no matter how difficult it gets, no matter how much of a delay you feel like you're in, that you serve a God that has a plan. And I want you to know this because somebody feels very chaotic right now. You feel like there's no way this is gonna work together. And I want you to know you serve a God who is working behind the scenes, putting the pieces together for the grand, amazing plan that he has for your life. And we know this because we can see it in the life of Joseph. I learned this phrase this summer because this summer I got to experience something that I had never experienced before, which is I was able to experience one of my children getting potty trained. Now you go, Aaron, you have some older kids, like they're potty trained. I was like, yes, but my wife and I had this amazing arrangement to where she would potty train our children when I would go out of town. And it was awesome. Like, I loved it. I never fought it. She'd always wait. Hey, when are you on a missions trip? When are you traveling to go speak somewhere? I'm going to wait for you to be gone for a few days, and then I'm going to potty train the kids. And I didn't realize the reason she did that when I was gone is because she knows I'm kind of a control freak. And she knows that if I'm involved in it, I'm going to try to tell her how to do something that I have no clue how to do. Well, this summer, we were stuck together. I mean, we were all together. Like, there was no, there was no me going anywhere. So we're together. And she's like, Aaron, I'm going to potty train um, our final, our fifth child. And I said, oh, great. I want to be part of this process. She's like, no, you're not part of it at all. You're not part of it. I go, well, I, you know, I'll, I'll give you my two cents on how you're doing in this. And so she's like, she's like, no, I want you to know this. I have a plan. I have a plan. I've done this plan four different times. It works. I have a plan. Within three days, she's going to be potty trained. I said, we'll see. So I, I, I wake up the first day. My little daughter's out there. She's in her little, new little panties. She's all excited. Two-year-old. She's running around the house. And then all of a sudden, pee everywhere, right on the rug. And I, I turn to Katie. I go, hey, Katie, your daughter is... Um, <laughs> your, your daughter's peed on her rug, my rug. Um, you, you know, it's, Aaron, I got a plan. This is part of it. This is part of the plan. Well, your plan is on my rug right now. She's working the plan. I go, okay, I'm not going to be involved. Not going to be involved. Next day, she's working out. My daughter, Adeline, she's doing a lot better. She's, she's um, making it in the, in the bathroom a few different times. And then I was like, oh, well, I'll take her swimming. Well, I didn't realize you don't take a kid while they're potty training swimming. So all of a sudden, while we're swimming, something starts floating in the pool. Katie, your daughter has now, <laughs> the plan is in the pool. <laughs> it's not working. No, it's part of the plan. It's part of the plan. You got to be patient with it, Aaron. You got to be patient. And I watched this process unfold until the third day where my daughter did a click. And now after almost 11 years, the Burks are free of diapers. Come on. We're wealthy, somebody. We're, we're, we're wealthy now. Come on, somebody. Awesome. She had a plan, and I want to encourage some people here today, God's got a plan for your life. He's got a plan, and you might have heard that before, but if you don't recognize that God's actually got a plan for your life, you'll go with some other plans that will lead you to a path that you don't ever want to be on. And what we've got is we've got a distracted group of people who are focusing on all the wrong things as they have not been captivated by the plan of God for their life. So I want to give you an unfair advantage today that God has a plan. We're going to see it in the life of Joseph, and I think it'll be something that'll help you. Genesis chapter 37, let's pick up in verse 2. Look what it says. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, and his father's wives. Now, did you hear that? His father's wives. 
Don't recommend that one right there, okay? <laughs> one is enough. Come on, somebody. And he, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now, Israel loved Jacob more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word of him. Now, you gotta understand that behind the scenes here. So he's one of 11, he's one of 12. And in this scenario, his brothers are bickering, they're fighting. Joseph is kind of elevated. He's a favorite in the house. And all of a sudden, he becomes hated amongst his brothers. Why are we getting these details? We're getting these details to so just let us know this is normal life. He's dealing with family drama. He's dealing with sibling rivalry. He's a normal person. And in this normality, look at verse five. Joseph had a dream. There was something given to Joseph in this moment, this idea from God given to him. And here's what happened, ready? And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. You would, you would hope that man, when you start to tell people about what God has given you and these dreams that he's given you and these plans that he's given you, that they would celebrate you. But how many know people who are stuck don't normally like to celebrate with people that are succeeding? It's interesting that when you have a moment where you finally get a glimpse of what God can do through your life, you start to celebrate, you got to share it with other people. All of a sudden, they're not cheering you on anymore. Now they're competing with you. Now they're frustrated with you. Now, now they're, now they're uh, going after your motives in this. And that's what the brothers did. His brothers said to them, Don't you do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of the dream and what he had said. And Joseph at that moment had a decision to make. And here's the decision you're gonna have to make in your life. When you get a dream from God and people don't believe in it, what do you do? What do you do? And he had this moment. Well, nobody else is endorsing this. Nobody else is celebrating it. And I love the next verse. The next verse is so crucial. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I've had a dream. And this time the sun and the moon and the 11 stars are bowing down to me. He's got this dream, but it's, it's got this idea of something God wants to do through his life. So what do we do when we have this moment where God kind of reveals to us there's something that he wants to do with our life. Well, I'm gonna break it down into four parts so that you get it today. And I think it'll help you give you some keys of the unfair advantage that God has a plan for your life. Here's the first one I want you to write down, that God's plan for me is great. Yeah. I want you to get this. It's great, it's grand. If you had a clue what it was, you would be sitting on the edge of your seat going, I can't wait, it's gonna happen. Do you know, you would lurk at your neighbor and go, you have no clue who you're sitting next to right now. You have no clue, you have no clue. You don't, you don't understand, there's greatness inside of me. There's something inside of me that is so big because God didn't design you as junk. He didn't design you as something to be complacent with. He didn't design you just to blend in with the crowd. You were fearfully and wonderfully made by the creator of the universe. He designed you with something big he wants to do in your life. So you've got to, you would wake up a little bit different if you knew something great on the side, inside of me that God wants to do. You'd walk a little bit different. You'd realize, man, there's something big that God wants to do. I love how Paul wrote it. He says, however it is written, what no eye has seen and no human mind has conceived, no ear has heard the things that God has planned, prepared for those who love him. As a follower of Jesus, 
someone who is in love with Jesus, we have an unfair advantage on the rest of the world that we have been called by God and we've been called by God to a life that is great, something that is going to be incredible. And you go, well, Aaron, I follow God and I love God, but what I'm in right now is not great. Then let me give you some encouragement. Ready? If it isn't great, God isn't done. He's not done. So you're just in the story. You haven't experienced the end result yet, but that's why we can trust God in this because God's the one that gave me the dream. God's the one that put that dream inside of me and your dream looks different than me. Your dream, it might be a dream for a family or a dream for your children or something when, when it comes to a business or a nonprofit. There's a dream that God has in, for every single one of you and it's great. And if what you're experiencing right now is not great, it's because God's not done and it's why you still have breath in your lungs right now. Because if you still got a pulse, God's still got a plan. And I love that he gave Joseph that dream and he gave it to him at 17 years old. And that's encouraging for some of you teenagers that go, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. I want you to know, God's got a great plan for your life. Don't don't settle for what the world has to offer. Be consumed with what God has to offer your life. But but let me just say it this way. It's not just for 17-year-olds or 37-year-olds or 77-year-olds. Every single one of you, God's got a great plan for your life. When you think of that greatness, I I want you to to shift it from the American mindset of greatness to the God's perspective of greatness. Because American mindset of greatness is money and fame and prestige. I wrote it down this way. God's great goal for your life isn't fame. It's actually fruit. It's actually legacy. It's actually impact. It's actually that the world is better because of what God's done through your life. So if you sit there and go, man, it's all about me. And Joseph could have felt that. Oh, everybody's going to bow down to me. I'm going to be the man. He had no clue what it was actually about. It was great, but it was different than he thought it would be. And and you got to understand there's something great God wants to do through your life. And if you don't get consumed by this, you will stay distracted with what the world has to offer. And that's why, that's why people go veer away from the faith. That's why they get in toxic relationships. That's why they skip out on church and have this whole life. Jesus go, well, I'm gonna figure it out myself. Let me tell you, I'm gonna stay in God's plan. I'm gonna stay in what God has for my life. And, and here's how God kind of gives it to you. He kind of gives it to you as a picture. You know, like this, I don't know if there are any Lego fans out there, I'm a big Lego fan. And, and he gives you this picture. He, he kind of gives you this idea of what greatness could be like. It's like, oh man, look what it could look like. Look, you got your little cafe and oh, look at your little house and your friends are over and you're all playing and you're riding your bike. Look, at your, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be amazing. And he shows you what it could be like. You follow God, you get involved in a group, you're gonna make a difference, you're gonna, you're gonna see that, that plan come to pass. And what I've realized with God is he gives us the picture and we think, okay, God, give me that. And God says, okay, I'm gonna give you it. And it looks like, it looks like God says, okay, I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna give you that, okay, I love it. You, want, you want all of that? You really wanna experience all of that? <laughs> 985 pieces. Because we want this, but God gives it to us like this. And he says, listen, you're going to have to learn to follow me 
And you're gonna have to learn to do it my way because if, if you will do it my way, I can turn this into this. But that big dream that God's put in your heart won't turn into this until you do it. That's why if you've ever done a Lego set, you know, they have like a whole book. It's like an Ikea, um, you know, thing. It's like, it's like 100 pages that you're like flipping through. And you're like, you gotta have major patience. Like, like I always sit there, I'm like, God, I want this, but it looks like this. And it's almost like, I wish God gave us like a manual that we would be able to flip through. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't it be just so incredible that if every day we could wake up and get instructions of what do you have for me today to turn that into this? That's why we're in church, because we're gonna keep getting in God's word. That's why we do our devotions, because your greatness is not gonna come to you automatically. It's gonna take some work and it's gonna take some work when you get into God's word and say, God, transform me. God, move me. God, do some great things in my life. And when God starts working it out, he'll take all the pieces and you're gonna see one day the pieces are gonna fit together and you're gonna go, oh, that's what I thought. Hallelujah. And it's not gonna come easy. All right, here's, here's the second one. We're, we're, we're gonna blow through these because we got a lot of baptisms. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah. And he told, look what it says. So he gets this great dream and now he tells the closest people in his life, including his father. Look at verse 10. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, they all celebrated him and said, how can we help you make that dream a reality? That might be a different translation. That's called the E-A-S, that's the easy version. That's not real. Because the reality is when God gives you a dream, it's gonna be difficult at times. Look what it actually says. It says, and he told his fathers and brothers, his father, remember the favorite, rebuked him. What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So Joseph is now rejected by his family. A few verses down, look at verse 18. They saw him in a distance. Joseph's out there walking around. And before they reached him, they plotted to kill him because of a dream. Verse 19, they say, here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. He has this moment where he receives this, this idea, this, 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 uh, this dream from God, and then all of a sudden everybody turns to him. Here's the second part, ready? It's that God's plan for me includes pain. Pain. And I, nobody wants to hear this, I know, because nobody, everybody wants to just pray and then it all of a sudden works out and you know, God's gonna give me a godly spouse and then all of a sudden it's, you never deal with heartache and oh man, we're gonna have kids and you, you never expected the miscarriage and all of a sudden you're gonna have this amazing business and then all of a sudden you never expected that unexpected bill. It's painful at times to follow God's path. So I don't know what you signed up for because people are like, oh man, as soon as I gave my heart to Jesus, everything fell apart. That's because he gave you a picture of this and he showed you, there's gonna be, come on, you wanna really know pain? <laughs> Parents, y'all know that world. You go to the restroom in the middle of the night and all of a sudden you step on a Lego and something comes out of your mouth that shouldn't come out of your mouth. Glory to God, come on. It's painful. It's painful to walk out the plan of God for your life, but I'm telling you, it's painful, but it's worth it. Jesus said it this way, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Like I'm telling you, there's gonna be pain in this thing. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have 
overcome the world. In other words, I experience pain as a believer, but I experience pain with purpose to it. So, so I'm not exempt from pain, but I am exempt from pain without purpose behind it. So everything you're walking through right now, God has a plan and it's a great plan. And if you're in a painful season and it's a trying season, I'm telling you there's even a plan in this moment. So I want you to get, because God has two solutions for pain, ready? He either solves it or he spins it. That's the two things God does with pain. He solves it. And some of you, you pray and he solves that pain right away. But other times he spins it for a much greater purpose. He's teaching you something inside of it. He's building up some character inside of you. He's putting compassion inside of you. He's working out some stuff in you. And if it's painful right now, you're gonna see a purpose one day. Because even Joseph, so Joseph's story is so crazy because he gets rejected by his brothers. He gets sold into slavery. We'll get into all the story the next few weeks. It's pretty awesome. He gets sold into slavery, he gets overworked, he's underpaid, he's wrongfully accused, he's thrown into prison, and he's forgotten about for about 10 years. Some of y'all are like, it's been like five minutes and they haven't returned a text message. I am so done with them. You don't know the pain of rejection, being forgotten, hurt. It's painful at times, but all of it was God's way even in the pain of bringing him to the ultimate purpose that God had for his life. The dream would not have happened without the really, really hard seasons. That's why at the end of it, Joseph can say, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for the good for being being now done, the saving of many lives. And and if you don't know the end of the story, he he was second in command over all of Egypt. He He became the person that saved the whole country from a famine. You see, he had to go through it. And I just wanna be kind of prophetic in this moment and say, I know the pain you're going through right now is really hard, but I want you to know, you're gonna understand why one day, how you had to go through it to be the person that God actually calls you to be. So that you could do what God's called you to do. It's painful. I really believe this. God doesn't cause your pain, but he does use it for a greater purpose. I know some of y'all are walking through some of the most painful seasons of your life. But I want you to know, if if you'll just surrender to God, go, God, even in this painful season, I trust. I trust that you're doing something in me. You're creating a testimony through it all. How you're gonna, by the way, nobody cares about your wins. Nobody cares about your successes. Those things, those things are not gonna impact anybody's lives. It's your pain that's gonna impact people's lives. It's your pain. So we embrace it and we say, okay, God, even in this painful season, what, what are you doing to lead me to the greatness you have for my life? Here's the third one, ready? God's plan for me takes time. <laughs> and I don't like that. And I don't like that because I like things right now. And I like them like immediate. And I like it like fast. I think we live in a, in a social media, fast food, microwaved, Instapot world. And we just don't like to, we just don't like to wait for anything. It was just a, a, a few months ago, I was flying back from LA. LA is about a five and a half hour long flight direct um, to Tampa. And so when I was flying back, our flight was delayed like 15, 20 minutes. And I remember sitting on the tarmac going, I can't believe this is gonna take almost six hours. And then I thought back, I'm like a few hundred years ago, this like took like six months to get across 
And like half the people on the plane would have died. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was just thinking of the Oregon Trail. You remember that game? And just like everybody dying along the way. We like things too fast. Nothing significant that God is gonna do through your life happens fast. It's always gonna take time. Here's why. Because God is more interested in developing you than he is in displaying you right now. He's interested in doing the work deep in us than doing it through us. And so you wanna go, put me, give me this, I'm ready for this. And God's saying, this is going to take time. To get there, I've got 985 pieces that I've gotta to put together and the pieces aren't gonna be put together immediately. So you've gotta embrace the process, God. I'm not just trusting you, I'm trusting your timing. Look at Joseph's life, okay? You might not know his life. He's, he, so he's born, let's do from the very beginning. He's born, loving son of Jacob. And then it's 17 years later before he has his dream. 17 years, right? that's a long time. And then from that, you would think, okay, then when does he become second in command over all of Egypt? When does he experience that, that uh, victory? Well, actually, we go about three years later, he's sold and uh, he's then thrown into prison. So he's living in slavery, working in Potiphar's house. We'll talk about that one in a couple of weeks. Then he's thrown into prison. He's 20 years old. Can you imagine being 20 years old, three years before you had this dream of greatness, you're in a prison cell, and in this moment you're going, okay, but any moment God's gonna get you out. And it's actually not till eight years later till he comes in contact with the, the, the cupbearer and the person, the people that are a part of uh, Pharaoh's um, officials, and he thinks this is my chance to get out. If you don't know the story, he meets these men in the prison, interprets their dream. The dream comes to pass. The cupbearer goes back to Pharaoh, starts working with Pharaoh, and then forgets about Joseph. And then the story goes that Joseph's now 30 years old before the cupbearer remembers who he is, brings him to Pharaoh. Now makes, Pharaoh makes him second in command because he says there's gonna be a famine that comes and the famine comes. It's an amazing story, you gotta read it. The famine comes, or you can pick up my book. And it'll, no, it's okay, okay. <laughs> cheap, cheap thing. All right, and then there's a famine that happens seven years later, uh, the famine starts. Again, he's working for seven years saying it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen, it's gonna happen. You ever had those moments like, God's gonna do it. God's gonna bring the breakthrough. God's gonna do it. And you're like, everybody's like, well, we're watching. We ain't seen it happen. Yeah. And then it happens. It actually happens. The, the start that actually proves him right is 20 years to the day, 17 years old to 37 years old, 20 years where he's waiting. And he's saying, I think God's gonna prove that that dream actually can happen. And then 40 plus years old before his family actually ever comes and God reconciles the relationship. And then by the way, then he lives till about 110 years old. It's not, it's not a short moment. It's, it's a long journey with God. It's a long journey. So if you feel like you're in this moment and you go, but it's just taking so long. I would ask you then, maybe God's trying to do something in you right now try to develop you and work some stuff out of you that you didn't even think was possible. I, I just realized in my life, everything took longer with God, but there was a reason behind it. There was a purpose behind every single time that it just took longer. I actually had a moment a few years ago where um, we, were, we were relaunching our YouTube page as a church. And so I, I had all of our old, like first five, six years of sermons. And they're like, what do you want to do with those sermons? I said, delete them delete them. They're like, well, people might want to watch them. I don't even want to watch them. 
there's no way. There's no way I want to know what even I said. I don't even know if I believe what I said. And, and the reason why is because I just know that throughout even this process over the last 10 years, God's been maturing me and doing some stuff in me. And I'm going, listen, I'm just, and thank God, thank God that in those early days, we didn't have the platform, the influence and stuff we have right now because we weren't ready for it. God, God was maturing us, building some stuff in us. People look at us, they're like, well, Aaron, you're different than you used to be. I hope so. I hope to God that he's maturing me to make me more and more like Christ. And say over time, and then 10 years from now, I hope I'm even better than I am now because we got to embrace this timing of God. So, so there's going to be things that don't look like, man, they're like, I'm frustrated. It's not done yet. God's trying to work it in you. I wrote it down this way. If your dream isn't in its mature state, it's probably because you aren't either. So let them work it out of your life. Let them work it in you. And I'm telling you, I'm still waiting on a lot of stuff in my life. I, I'm, I, I get frustrated. I, I'll tell you, I've been praying. There's been lots of things I'm praying for for 10 years, but I, I've been praying for 10 years, 10 years for a South Tampa building, 10 years. I'm telling you, even driving this morning going, God, when is the day where I'm gonna be able to drive and not drive into the Britain Plaza to get to this church? But you know what? It's not on my timeline, it's on his timeline. There's dreams that God's put in your heart and they've been years and years and years, some of you decade. Let me just say this, trust the timeline of God. If you belong to him, he will work things out according to his time. And you go, well, it's taking a long time, Aaron. It's because what he's building in you is actually so incredibly beautiful. And it's a lot of pieces that gotta be put together. And one day you're gonna be able to look back and go, oh, I get it. God was working behind the scenes. I trusted his timeline. Can we thank him that he's a God that we can trust in our life? I'm gonna take a moment right now and release all of those who are getting baptized in all of our campuses. This is a group of people who are taking a decision to say, you know, I'm going public with my faith. Not one person that's gonna get into that water is perfect. But let me tell you, they're in the process of saying, you know what, God, I'm willing to go with your plan, with your strategy. It might be painful, it might be hard, but can we just celebrate them as a church? Let's not be the brother that looks down on that dream. Can we celebrate them that are making that decision? That's a huge deal. Let's close it out. Here's the fourth one and we'll be done. Ready? Number four is that God's plan for me isn't about me. It's not about us. So when you look at the big plan of God and you see the dreams that God's put in your heart, you have to recognize it's really not all about you. It's not about, it's about some bigger purpose that God wants to do through your life. Like there's people to be impacted. That's why Joseph can stay. You said, he said, you can intend to harm me, but God intended it for the good to be accomplished what is now being done. What's being accomplished? I'm getting all the attention. That's not what's being accomplished. The saving of many lives. Amen. That the world should look better. That your family should be better. Your legacy is built because of the fact that you surrendered to God's plan. You endured God's process and now you were able to experience God, the benefits which are lives being changed for eternity. Yes. Your life counts. We are created by God 
and for God for some big picture that he has for our lives. It's going to impact the world around us. It's going to impact the world around us. I started thinking about this story and I said, God, how do we, how do we really make it to where we don't, we don't go too distracted by the fact of, man, I'm great, I'm great, I'm great. How do we stay humble in this? How do we stay about the bigger mission, about this? And I was looking at this story and I said, I've, I've studied a lot about this story and I've never got this until I was studying for this message and I sat there thinking, as, and I really felt the Holy Spirit say, Aaron, you've put yourself as the wrong person in the story. You've made yourself Joseph. You see, Joseph's the one that got greatness in me and people rejected me and I'm gonna save lives. He goes, Aaron, you're not Joseph, you're the cupbearer. So the cupbearer, then I started researching. You remember the cupbearer? The cupbearer was Pharaoh's official who did wrong, got thrown into prison. But the one with greatness was rejected and brought into the prison with the cupbearer. So that in the cupbearer's darkest time, he could now bring the life to him, bring him the solution to get out of the prison. And then the cupbearer obeyed him, obeyed Joseph and said, okay, I'm gonna do that. And gets in sec- it gets returned to Pharaoh. And you know what the cupbearer did? Forgot about Joseph. Don't we all do that? And we all forgot. And then he got to this point to go, wait, I forgot that in my low of low of life, when I was at a prison, a savior came into that prison and saved me. And if he saved me, maybe he can save my nation. Maybe he can save my family. Maybe he can save everybody around me. That's who we are. We are the ones that have gotten saved and now are to introduce that savior to a lost and broken and dying world. Can we give it up? Can we give him some praise? Can we give him some worship? That's the God that we get to serve. Man, I'm glad to be back. So here's the ultimate question. Ready? Are you submitted to God's plan? Are you submitted? Are you totally submitted to saying, God, I submit myself to whatever you want to do through my life? It might be painful. It might be hard. It's not going to be about you. It's going to be all about him. But I want us to take a moment across all of our campuses before we baptize people. Can we just stand to our feet and can we submit ourselves once again? Nobody moving around. This is a moment right now. If you feel comfortable, just in a sign of surrender. Come on, just stretch a hand towards heaven. Say, God, I submit myself again. Lord, we thank you that you have good plans for us. We thank you that there are plans to prosper us. Lord, we thank you that there are plans for a hope and a future. But Lord, in this season that it's even painful, this season that it's taken longer, we submit to your plans right now. We submit to your timing right now. And we submit to saying, God, this great dream is all about you. It's all for you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Come on, let's sing it out together at all of our campuses.
this right now with every eye closed. Some of y'all are in a painful season. It's a trying season. I feel like the Holy Spirit even just said that, brought this message just to encourage you. Hey, it's gonna turn out great. It's, it's, God's not done with it. Just endure it. Say, God, what are you trying to do in me? What are you trying to teach me? What's that testimony you're trying to build through me? God, I'm, I'm, I'm available, whatever you want. It's one last group that's at our campuses right now. It's those that don't have a relationship with Christ. You have not submitted to that dream of God for your life. And you're even living it your way, doing it your way. And that's what sin is. Sin is doing life our way instead of God's way. And today's your day to submit. Today's your day to say, I'm gonna surrender my life to Christ. I'm giving him my sin, I'm giving him my past, and I'm gonna give him my future. Whatever God wants in my life, he can use me. If that's you, I want you to make a decision, a confession of faith saying, I'm giving Jesus my life. If that's you on the count of three, I want you to throw that hand up, wave it at me at all of our campuses, and then we're gonna pray together. One, two, three, be bold if that's you right now. All those hands raised, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Huge day, huge day at all of our campuses, thank you. Thank you, you can put that hand right back down. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I surrender my life to you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. Forgive my sins and for the rest of my life, I'm gonna follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.